We are being hypnotized by people like this. News readers, politicians, teachers, lecturers. We are in a country and in a world that is being run by unbelievably sick people. The chasm between what we're told is going on and what is really going on is absolutely Oh yeah, dude. There's some Nephilim shit. It's like we all know what's going down, but no one's saying shit what happened to the home of the brave. Motherfuckers, they're controlling us now, and no one's talking about how they made us part of these slaves. And everybody's just walking around, heading the clouds, and won't awake to a dead in the grave. But then it's too late, we need to be ready to raise up. Welcome to the end of day. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Nephilim Death Squad. I'm David Lee Corbo, a.k.a. The Raven. That's Top Lobster. Before we get into today's guest, I just want to remind you that we're doing another raffle for the month of February into March. I'd say probably March 5th is where we're going to wrap it up. Uh, just like we gave away the Matt Rife machine last month, this month we're giving away a triple pack of Parasite Cleanse from PurgeSuddenly.com as well as a... Um, stomach biome corrector called digestimes and so if you're interested in that sort of product i'm using uh these these sort of parasite cleanses right now uh i know a lot of people know i'm trying to cut back on the drinking and i think that i want to give myself every edge i can so i'm using my rife machine i'm using my parasite cleanse anything i can to put in the uh in the ammunition there and so if you're interested in that any purchase from Nephilim Death Squad merch is going to put you into the raffle and make you eligible to win a triple pack of the Parasite Cleanse product from PurgeSuddenly.com, as well as their Digestimes. And we got a lot of new designs uh, that Top recently rolled out. I'm a big fan myself of the uh, Neph to America one. I love the Friends one. That's really cool. Uh, big yeah, fan of that. Listen, Nephilim. guys, this is not a disclaimer. <laughs> They're not your friends. Uh, it's just a funny play on things. They're the complete opposite of that. But, you know, we're being ironic here. So don't go out there trying to shake hands with these things. Um, yeah, dude, um, same thing for me. Uh, I, Ed, you wanted, to, you wanted to talk about the Rife machine, right? You were just asking us about that, what that, like, what that yeah, does. Yeah, when you guys, I, I, heard, I heard you guys do that when you're on a different show talking about the Rife machine. It's something that I've been, like, interested in for a long time since, you know, being in the whole conspiracy world. You hear about all these cures that have been suppressed. And I heard about Rife technology a, a long time ago. And I know that, you know, what happened to Royal Rife, you know, that he got, you know, 86. And mm. I just, and I've been able, I've been trying to find one that I, you know, that was, that's affordable and you know, just to keep health up. And so I'm, I'm really interested in what that technology is, what it does. And yeah, so I'm, I'm totally down for that kind of we're stuff. We're going to, we'll, we'll talk to, um, so we're friends with Matthew Rife. He's the nephew of Royal, the great nephew of Royal Rife. Royal Rife. That's his company. Yeah um we'll introduce you guys later on but yeah i believe in the technology too are you a musician by the way ed i'm not no okay because usually uh people that are like more inclined to like understand this frequency side of things might mm -hmm. dabble in music because for me it's the same thing it's all v vibrations right like we're just kind of like manipulating it so right. that's the idea behind the the rife machine it's like coils and that are coiled in a proprietary way and it's connected to an amplifier that's then then plays a sequence of frequencies and the doctors have gone through or you know the scientists have gone through before rife doing many of them which frequencies uh address what disorders or whether it be from addiction to like even aids i just saw a video of someone doing something with aids 
Um, yeah, ADHD so as well, which is interesting, right? Because it's like every kid is getting diagnosed with that. But I'm currently yeah. using my Rife machine uh, to just give me the edge. I felt like I was drinking just a little bit too much and I wanted to cut <laughs> that back. And yeah. sure enough, there's a sequence um, on the app there uh, that comes with the uh, Rife machine for addiction. And so I'm like, there's yeah. even one for addiction to sweets, which I'm like, maybe I'll do that one next because I have a real, how, I, got a sweet I got a problem. Well, I mean, I haven't had a drink. And I'm, but I'm doing everything I can, right? I'm like any edge that I'm going to get to just, I'm better, I'm sharper when I'm not, you know, having like a drink on the weeknights or something like that. I'm like, let's keep it to social events. And so, yeah, right. as soon as I, I, I wanted to do that, I went straight to the Rife machine and boom, there we go. The Matt Rife. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to Matt. Two, Two electromagnetic, electromagnetic frequency, frequency wave oh, generators ahead, that interact correctly with the human body. That's the technical term. I thought it was a time machine for the longest. Like we opened it up and I'm like, what is this thing? I'm afraid to plug it in, but I, I believe I really like it. And I think there is something to it, especially seeing like how modern medicine has failed us. Like my wife was, yeah, she's, okay. she is a nurse still. So we're like in that field and I'm like, man, this is, this is poison and garbage and there better be something else. And, uh, yeah. right. you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've had, you know, cancer in my family. My mom is a three time cancer survivor. Uh, my, my best friend, his wife, you know, passed away a couple of years ago from cancer. So it's it's a huge thing for me, you know, personally in, in my life. And any and I don't believe chemotherapy. I don't believe in that. But but it looks like you know the way statistics are is like one in three of us is going to have cancer, which means you know the odds are it's a thirty percent chance. I had cancer. Minimum. As a matter of fact, oh, yeah, raising. Yeah, had I literally cancer. had cancer. That's it. I mean, now we're... I got a reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm calling the reason. Doing well. Yeah, I'm doing so, great now. Um, yeah. But it is you're right. Yeah, that's it's that common. And you know, I've heard like you know, chemotherapy is just they're just poisoning you anyway. And so if if God forbid it happens to me, I don't want to use that. I want to use you know things that are going to work. And so that's why I'm yeah. always researching, you know, right good nutrition, um, you know, things like the Rife technology and any other technology and cleanses and things like that that are either going to keep you from getting it or if you do get it, it's going to, you know, take care of it without you having to, you know, be medically poisoned to death, which is, you know, what happened to my friend's wife. And, you know, thankfully my mom survived. She's still kicking. And, but, you know, it's, I believe in alternative medicine. Yeah. I think calling it alternative is, is, is kind of downplaying. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, like it, it plays so much into the spirituality factor that like yeah, obviously yeah. this show's about, but like how I kind of view life now, especially after COVID and like things have went really sideways. I was like, like a oh, little man. background for me. I was always a Christian um, mm -hmm. and always dabbled in the supernatural because like I was a Pentecostal. So we're more prone to believe uh, like exuberant praise and speaking in tongues, things right. like that. Yeah. But never like yeah. how... Ne never how I am now and now going back and rediscovering the faith that I was in for so long and seeing all the parts that I miss. I'm like, oh, so like that frequency vibration machine, it correlates directly with uh, we had a psycho licensed psychotherapist on talking about um, he was interviewing a schizophrenic and they said that they hear voices. He thinks they're entities. He said um, something like bounced around the room, made an electrical popping sound. And it jumped into the garbage can. Later on, he asked the guy, he said, what was that sound? He said, oh, that was the voices talking. So these entities, whether they're ghosts, uh, spirits, Nephilim, whatever, they're communicating with us on this kind of frequency level where it's either electric or maybe even vibrational so we can hear it. Yeah. So it's like all this stuff is directly in line. And 
we just happen to find some guy that's on the good side of it. So that's pretty cool. What was that quote from uh, from Nikola Tesla? That I I've heard you say it before. I forget uh, how it goes. So. If you if you want to understand the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Right. Yeah. And totally. which is we're interesting. Talk, we're, yeah. No, we're gonna I was talk just gonna say the entire right? industry misses that yeah. point. Uh, they don't even talk about it. But before we get into um, what's going on, let's give you a proper introduction, Ed. Why don't you sure. let the audience know uh, what it is that you do and where they can find your work? No problem. Thanks, guys. So first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, I heard you guys um, on uh, the Tinfoil Hat broadcast. And ironically, right around the time I saw an email from from Top Lobster asking me about this show and i'm like these guys are cool i like what they're saying and you know it's just really synergistic that i discovered you guys right around the time you were asking me to be on your show so uh, my name is ed mabry uh my website and my ministry if you want to call it that is a uh, faith by reason so faithbyreason.net not .com.net is my website i'm on youtube um I, I started doing that about right during COVID. I was doing like a deep dive into the book of Revelation, which I'm almost done with. I, I'll be 60 episodes in. I'm actually on the last chapter right now um, doing that. And um, I've been doing it for a faith by reason for a long time, I mean, uh, since 2010. Started off just blogging. And then it, I started doing podcasts in 2017 and again, videos in, in 2020. And so the whole premise behind it, like like you, I, I started, I've been a Christian my whole life, grew up in a church, you know, my, my grandmother was a matriarch of the church I grew up in, but I've always had an inquisitive mind. I've always wanted to know why, I'm, I'm always asking questions. Like if you were to ask my my parents, what, were my, what was my first word? They would say, it was, it was why. I'm always asking whys. But I was always told when I would ask questions about the parts of the Bible I didn't understand, I, I think eventually the pastors just got annoyed with me always asking questions and they just said, you know what, you, it's not right to question God. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to make God mad, so I'll just stop questioning him. And But it, it just left me really ill-prepared for how to deal with the rest of the world. You know, I, I, when hey, I go let to me, college, I'm... Let me just yeah, say, I because like you're, you're describing my life too, same thing. I just want to give a shout out to Sister Bonnie. I don't know if you, you probably don't watch this show. But Sister Bonnie was the lady that would answer my questions biblically. And I'm nine years old saying, what does this mean? What do they mean? And, yeah. she's, and she would tell me, I don't know, but I'm going to go look that up for you and come back the next week with some answers for me. Because I was like, answer, you know, <laughs> I wanted answers. That's awesome. So, yeah. but the rest of these, most of the, most of the other people that, that did have that, uh, if I did ask some questions, they weren't having it. But so, so go ahead, please continue. Shout out Sister Bonnie. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> So just you know, to wrap it up, you know, go to college and of course, secular university, which most of them are. And, you know, I would get challenged by my professors. So it's like when they found out I was a Christian, it's like they took delight in trying to deconstruct what what I was taught my whole life. They would say things like, you know, the Bible's unreliable. It's not historical. I remember in one of I think it was a sociology class I had. Um, we had to write a paper and have five references. And I, in one of the references I used, because it was about ancient civilizations, and I used the, the Bible as one of my references, and I got a, a B on the paper. And I'm like, you know, I thought I kicked kick butt on this paper. She's like, yeah, you know, you did well, but we asked for, you can't use the Bible as a reference. I'm like, why not? She literally laughs in my face and says, well, because it's just completely unreliable. It was just made up by these, um, these Jewish Bedouins. They just basically copied other religions around them like the jehovah yahweh of the bible is just nothing more than a canaanite vengeance god that the israelites appropriated and just all this stuff and the thing is i had no defense because i was never taught how to defend my faith so i kind of so i kind of 
fell away from the church, not from God. I never stopped believing in God. I just wasn't sure what I was being taught about God was accurate. So I went on my own journey. And again, long story short, my prayer to God was like, make it make sense. I'm a logical, rational thinker. I'm, you know, I am a systems thinker. That's just how my mind works. And things have to make sense to me. And, I, and my prayer was, you know, God, if you're real, then you have to make sense. So again, make it make sense. And, you know, he honored that prayer and he led me to people and to research that have, has led me to led me to really and truly understand that the Bible does make sense, that our faith makes sense. In fact, it's the only one that does make sense. We're going to talk about the vibrations and things like that. I mean, the Bible is the only religious book that actually says that reality, that our physical reality was spoken into existence through words, mm -hmm. through vibrations. And that matches up with what we know about quantum physics. And I, we'll get into that, but no other, no other religious or even atheistic system accounts for the fact that on a quantum level, protons and neutrons are vibrations and electrons are light. So our world is light and vibrations. And only the Bible says that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. I mean, in the book of uh, first John. So anyway, you know, what's funny. Ed? Um, I knew I wasn't the only person on this journey. So that's why I started faith by reason to help my fellow Christians. And even if you're not a Christian, if you're just interested, just understand why the Bible makes sense, why our faith makes sense using again logic, reason and, and systematic analysis. It's funny. It's funny because, um, before I was like on this journey, like kind of the journey that you're on now, like where we say that this show, obviously we say some like raunchy stuff, but like we, we like to take whatever's going on and we put it up to like a biblical, we put our little biblical lens there or a Christian lens and we look at it and we say, oh, that's, yeah. you know, that's some Nephilim shit. Like we're able to figure it out through that way. Uh, before I was doing that, I was doing uh, like, I was a musician. So uh, that yeah. guitar behind me. And I was obsessed yeah. with this idea of synesthesia. I think I might even have a book back there. I have a book over here. Um, so synesthesia is uh, seeing what like Jimi Hendrix would see uh, certain sounds as color, right? So the overlap wow, okay. there. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's a lot of them. I think Pharrell is another one that has synesthesia. Uh, th yeah. There's a bunch of people like that are recording musicians and it's easy for them to then be good at music because they have two mediums to mix it with. So also it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mental condition. Well, people call it a mental condition, but I think it's, I think it's a gift. I, right. I was, yeah, sounds like one. Yeah. I was looking yeah. into a way to uh, <laughs> like achieve or teach perfect pitch, which means like you can hear a C note and identify it as a C in a C, in a complete C of notes, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of all the same word. But uh, I was looking into correlating that to color because if you can do it, then you could reverse engineer it. Anyway, here I am now a couple years later, still thinking about the same principles but under a spiritual lens which obviously like music is very like a tiny aspect of what what we're talking about here the spiritual yeah. stuff kind of opens it all up but i feel like that's a, you know music artwork the, the way we perceive things the way we perceive mm -hmm. color is just light right it's light uh, right. vibrating yeah. at certain frequencies it's that's all yeah. that it is so what is it what really is going on around this is i don't I have no idea yeah, you know, um, you know, being an inquisitive person and, and, you know, not believing everything that I being being skeptical, and not believing everything, you know, it led me into the conspiracy world. You know, I think I started out with a, a buddy of mine who actually my first job out of college, actually, I was working my way through college. And there was this guy there who would like bend everybody's ear about Bill Cooper. And people were would try to avoid him because they thought he was nuts. But I was into it. I'm like, dude, tell me more. And so that got me into the conspiracy world. And then I got really political. 
And, but then I, I realized that there's something bigger behind this. I mean, you guys know this already, but that was still part of my journey. Like there's more behind this than just money and power. I mean, these people, the elites, whatever you want to call them, they have all the money. They can just print whatever they want. They have all the power. They run everything. So why are they still doing this? Because it's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. And so the more you get into it, the more you realize that the spiritual world is what's really behind it. I mean, because one thing that Bill Cooper would say when he would talk about, you know, what these people believe, he would get folks kind of pushing back on him and saying, well, I don't believe that. That makes no sense. And Cooper would say, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's about what they believe because they're the ones who are running things. So if you need to understand whether you believe it or not, you have to understand what these people are believing and who they're worshiping. And if you really want to get to the bottom of things. And I had a scurry on Twitter the other day where I kicked the, the hornet's, nets, hornet's nest of atheists and Star Wars adults. And a lot of these people, the same, same sort of thing, they're like, this guy probably believes in demons. And I was like, well, entities. And they're like, you're crazy. Like, how could you prove a demon? And I'm like, they, they, someone asked me, they said, so how would I go about getting possessed by a demon if I just wanted to find out? And I was thinking, I'm like, I don't even think they'd waste their time with you. They have their claws sunk so deep into you that you're completely spiritually dead. Why bother? Right. Right. It's like, it's fascinating in 2024 about like how people can still not realize this is right at their door. Especially when it's it's incredibly obvious, you know, um, Ed, you were saying that Bill Cooper said it doesn't matter what you believe, it's about what they believe. And right. we often talk about on this show how overt what they believe has become as far as being in your face in every which way, every form of media has blood in the water. Um, and that blood is this satanic messaging that's just permeated the entire show or the entire movie or the entire uh, music industry. And where in the past it used to be this sort of hidden in the shadows anecdote about selling your soul maybe for riches and fame. Um, and you would hear these stories, uh, but never really see them play out in a way where the audience could put it together in real time. Now, all these industries are leading with that. You know, um, in the past, you had sort of satanic panic. And that was like, you could make an argument that it was people at least connecting dots that if you were skeptical, you could say were not valid. Uh, now you don't have to connect dots. Now they're telling you uh, right on the big screen in a million different ways. And so when I hear people say, oh, you believe in demons, it's like, what do you what do you make of this subsect of our culture? That's what do you in think is going constantly? on here? Yeah. yeah what, <laughs> what do you think when you see that? I don't understand how you how you brush that away and you go, oh, that's not real. When every you know, what is the we have the the Nephilim shirt and it says friends or it's it's in the font of friends. For a while, the only image on Doja Cat's TikTok was just her on the friend's sofa uh, dressed as a complete demon, you know, like fully done up, all like black skin, black eyes, horns, everything, fangs. Uh, it's so in your face now. It's just amazing because we've hit that that part where the, the water's boiling on the frog and it's in a full mm -hmm. roll now and, and the frog's not jumping out. None of us even notice. 
there's there's so much symbology out there that again it's right in your face now it's not even hidden anymore it's not you know back in the day you know i'm, I'm older than you guys but i remember back in in the in the 80s they had in, i guess the 70s as well they would talk about you know playing records backwards and getting these word messages so it actually took some effort now it's all the symbols i mean all of the you know i grew up you know listening to hip-hop you know that was that was my thing hip-hop and r&b and i i don't listen to it anymore because the stuff just doesn't i mean it's, it's God, it's terrible. Like some of the people who are in it, like these little Nas X and Lil Uzi Vert, you couldn't pay me to name one of their songs. If you get, if you said to me, Ed, I'll give you a million dollars if you can give me a lyric to a Lil Uzi Vert song. I'm like, you know what? I just got to take the L because I have no idea. But I've seen this per. I mean, they're they're dressed up like Satan. They're they're like openly yeah. satanic now. They're not even trying to hide it. And yeah, you talked about Doja Cat. You there? There's um, who was the the one singer? Um, I forget his name. Um, he kind of he came up to an award show dressed like, like a demon. He was um, in all red. I think he was was it, was it Sam Smith maybe. Oh yeah, well, I mean that uh, guy's yeah, a yeah. weirdo. Yeah. Ed, anyway, how, yeah, how old are your kids? Matter. How old are your kids? Oh, by the way, I didn't have a seven and nine. Oh seven. Okay, I, I thought if if they were a little bit older, I was gonna say like, because I know when my mom was talking about this stuff, she's like, this stuff is demonic. I used to be like, stop it, and I'm a you know yeah. kid stuff. I wonder like when my because my kids are very young like when they're older and i start telling them that like are they going to be like stop like you know what i started doing my son he's eight years old so right in between yours and um i would start to know this is before i i disconnected him from like you know netflix and everything because it got so overt that i i couldn't in good conscience let him watch these things anymore but i was when i started to entertain the idea of like taking all this away I would have these conversations with him like, look at this, pause it right there. You see that symbol? And we even wrote down, he and I, we drew the symbols that you would see on a regular basis. You know, the the eye and the pyramid or yeah, the goat yeah. head or the pentagram, you know, all these different things. And then I would say, now, when you play something, keep an eye out for those things. And then it, <laughs> it turned into, I guess, a twisted little game where he's like, dad, 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 look. And he's paused it. And sure enough, he's like showing me another show where the symbolism's in the background. So luckily, oh uh, when when we grow, you know, when my son grows up, um, he'll already have that that sort of trained eye for it. But for now, uh, he's off all of that stuff. Um, so I, I kind of want to get into the the meat of one of the most <laughs> one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. Um, hmm. Not only just in general, but also on tinfoil hat, which was this really. Um, exciting theory regarding the speed of light and its atrophy um mm -hmm. and how that relates to one um human beings over the course of large swaths of time in 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 not only our spiritual sense but in our uh physiology and also what that speed of light that variation in it could mean for the planet and for uh, things in a biblical sense. And so sure. if you would want to take that away, because this is one of the most fast, I had never heard anything like this prior yeah. to hearing that episode of tinfoil hat. And when I heard that I was floored because every time, you know, I'm obviously biased every time there's something that, that vindicates, you know, the world through the biblical lens. I'm like, like, Oh, there you go. It's one for the team. You know what I mean? And like, that was like a huge one because it's, it, it 
potentially explains so much. So, Ed, yeah. uh, wherever you want to start with that that theory, um, sure. I'll pass it to you. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is it is mind blowing, um, and and it's done the same thing with me. It's really it, it's really explained things. Like I said, it's made more things make sense, and that's my that's what I'm really all about. By the way, before I get started, I want to say, guys, don't worry about being raunchy with me. I'm I'm all I'm I'm all about it. You know, you say whatever okay. you want to say, say it however <laughs> however you want to say it. No, I'm not super pious type. I mean, I, if you hear me and my friends hanging out, you'd be like, dude, is this guy really a Christian? <laughs> so <laughs> I've been right, I've been perfect. saying how like I like because I do a comedy show where obviously yeah. everything's on the table, and then this show we get crazy. I'm like, how do I? Uh, I don't know, justify those two, those two parts of me coming together, but anything else would be inauthentic. And I feel like that's exactly. a, that's a greater sin to like lie to yourself. <laughs> that's so right. Like, I guess right. I'm stuck with yeah. this retarded version of me. And so are you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I, I said one time on the, on the, um, on tinfoil, I think maybe it was before I came on where Sam was using profanity. And I was like, dude, profanity is a social construct. Like the Bible doesn't say, you know, God doesn't care about how we social, how we think of a bad word is socially. That's he's not concerned about that. I mean, it's, it's anyway, way it's I about see it too is if my, if my language allows for somebody to digest a message that is otherwise good, mm -hmm. then I don't think that that necessarily matters. And, and this show for, as like top said, as retarded as we are, we've managed to, <laughs> to pull a few people over into our corner to, to give the biblical lens a real shot. And so I'm like, we gotta be doing something right. And hopefully God looks at to, us and he goes, look, man, Ed, you said retarded a lot, but we hand them <laughs> off to good people. Like, like Tony Merkel will always say, go to like, go to that show. Cause that dude's yeah. like, he's like, not a piece of crap like us, but <laughs> go, please go to better. But like, we're the gateway to like, you know, do a little right. bit better in your life. So hopefully yeah, we're yeah. doing that. Actually, I wanted to mention right. Right. because of the rife yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I for, completely forgot. Um, Cheryl, I mailed her her royal rife machine out. That's the big one, $5,500. I mailed oh, right, it out to right. her. And I got confirmation from this guy in, in, that's always in the chat. He's not here today. Um, she's actually sending him one of her smaller units because she already had a rife machine. So I'm like, that's freaking... Never did I ever think that I would be in a position to give somebody something like such a great gift and then have a, co a community around them to like spread that love and do that so shout out to cheryl and i don't know if the other guy wants to be docs but thank you guys that's how that's cool amazing. is that yeah it's like literal that, like yeah, a community of of kindness and and improvement which i did not see uh <laughs> poperoni in the chat said tony is a kind soul whereas top and raven are devious goons which okay. i kind of <laughs> like devious goons i want to write that down somewhere that's not bad all thank right you. so let's get yeah, into uh into this forward. Sure. Yes. So go ahead, good for her for paying, for, for paying it forward. Okay. Yes. So, yes. Um, so let's talk really quickly about you know, we have our two realms. You have the spiritual realm, we have the spiritual realm, and we have our physical realm. And I think we, you know, go, go through our lives for a good reason, thinking that our world is the real world, you know, the solid world. And the spiritual realm is like, you know, fluffy, ethereal, you know, you passing through walls because they're just not, they don't have any substance. But when you get down to the atomic level, you know, the, the atom is 99.9% empty space. Like when you look at the ratio of, of the nucleus of the um, protons and neutrons to the electrons spinning around it, it's, you know, you, you have to ignore the models that we saw in school, which were not to scale. I think I, I gave the example before that if you were to enlarge the nucleus of an atom to like the point of a pin, like if you were to go 
say to a football field, take a pin and put a dot on the 50 yard line, the electrons would be orbiting through each end zone. So wow. most of it's empty space. I mean, if you were Crazy. to uh, enlarge it to the size of, of, a, of, a, of a softball, the electrons will be um, orbiting seven miles away. So it's mostly empty space. And as I said a little earlier, uh, the electron is, is virtually massless. Its mass is inferred by its, um, its orbit. So it's basically just electricity. It's just light. Well, it's not like electricity. Electricity is slower than light, but it, it's you know virtually massless. And the protons and neutrons, on, when you get down to the subatomic level, the quark level, there are vibrations. So our world is a world that isn't subs. It doesn't have much substance. So it's, we're a simulation. Now I'm not getting into simulation theory. That goes a little too far. But what I mean by that is that we are. It's, we're mostly like a hologram. If you go to some of the old Star Trek um, uh, TV shows, where they would have this holodeck, where they would go there and they would, you know. It would be hard light um, construct that they're interacting with. And there's a whole field of science called the holographic universe where they get into that. So that basically saying that our reality, our physical realm is a, a simulation of something. It's a simulation of the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is the real realm. And it is primarily, it's, it's light and consciousness. Because when God spoke the world into existence, he spoke the physical world, but the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, he that's consciousness. That's what ether is. That's what that's this unlimited energy. This and again, as I said before, the uh, first book of John says that God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. So that brings us to light. If God is light, what is light? What do we know about it? Hey, Ed, so have you um, have you heard yes. about organic UFOs? I have not. Oh, okay. You you should talk to um. So this guy, Crypt, uh, Justin from Crypt, Cryptids of the Corn. He's like a, he's actually a biologist in the field, but one of his theories is that there's an entire other ecosystem living above us. And because they are so high, they've adapted to have like way less mass, but there's been instances like manna from heaven, things falling from the sky. There's been yeah. also video of like jellyfish. It looks like, you know, flying jellyfish. His theory is that like the higher you go up, there's an entire other ecosystem that high up and there's stuff that exists there that we don't really know about. So that might tie into some spirit that, that where you're talking about with the spiritual realm being lighter and us being more dense, you know? That's interesting. Yeah. I, I want to, I'm happy to learn more about that. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, after we, after we're done, you can give me that information of the person who, who, um, is spearheading it and I'll, I'll research it. So anyway, so what do we know about, about light? Oh, before the, the 1700s, it was thought that the speed of light was infinite that you know it's just instantaneous it doesn't it doesn't have it doesn't have a, a discrete speed it just you turn on a light you light a candle it's there but then in the 1700s a, a danish um a danish astronomer named um, um ole romer who's uh looking at the the moons of jupiter he discovered that the speed of light is a, actually is discrete that it ha, that it has it has a definitive speed and that speed is 186,000 miles per second and so now that we had a, a, a definitive um, definition, a definitive uh, speed for light, the, it, it, it basically became the basis for all of our physics. Because with, this, with the speed of light, um, having a number um, attached to it, you could start doing predictive modeling and things like that. So you had like the, the great uh, um, physicists like you know, Niels Bohr and Max Planck and Heisenberg and Einstein all were using this in their predictive models and and all of our modern physics is based on it. you know e equals mc squared energy equals mass times the speed of light squared c is the speed of light so that's how we even know how we're able to define energy 
Mm. Again, revolutionized physics brought us into our modern world. Fast forward to, um, and it's all based on the fact that the speed of light can be measurable and is a constant. Fast forward to 1988, and you have two scientists um, from Australia, uh, Barry Setterfield and Trevor Norman. They published a paper after their research, and they've discovered that the speed of light is not a constant, that it's actually slowing down. Slowing down, it, again, in very, very um, minute increments. So nothing that you'd notice, but it's happening predictably in discrete segments, and it's happen happening logarithmically meaning that over time it becomes much more it, it, it um, becomes faster or slower um exponentially right right so so if it decreases 10 percent each time 10 percent of i see yeah it's like compound interest you know when, with your yeah. money you know if as you, as you get further along it becomes more dramatic the 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 further forward or, or further back you go in time so of course they weren't accepted immediately because scientists, despite their um, the the impression to give you that they're objective, they're actually they're just as uh, dogmatic as like any like red face face preacher, preacher in Alabama. They they hold on to their dogma for as long as they can. They have to be dragged kicking and screaming into every new discovery, and eventually they had to acknowledge that you know Norman and, and uh, Setterfield's research was was true that it 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 made sense. So you can Google it now. Your listeners can go and Google speed of light slowing down and they will find information on it. They, uh, Norman and Setterfield don't get credit for it. You'd have to actually type their name in in order to see their work in 1988. They actually attribute it to, a, I think, a Russian scientist from 1998, 10 years later. And I think that one of the reasons is that Setterfield and Norman were Christians and they made some predictions that don't fit into the secular worldview. Anyway, so if... So here, here's where we're getting to the spiritual realm. Um, if the speed of light is slowing down, and again, it actually makes sense from a purely scientific standpoint. The, the second law of thermodynamics, they said over time, you know, it's chaos theory. It's um, the loss of energy. Over time, things break down. Things get slower. Things lose energy. So it would make sense that light would lose energy over time. So again, it, it, it matches up with what we know about just regular physics. So if the speed of light is slowing down, then that means that next year, in 2026, the speed of light will be slower than today in 2025, which also means that last year, the speed of light was incrementally faster. Again, not that you notice, but it was, it was faster. hundred years ago. I noticed. It would have been, you know. <laughs> we, and we feel it, and we feel it. Please. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> yeah, well, something is happening. And when you get to the, you know, the idea that God is light and, and we're, and light slowing down, and yeah, well, we're going to get into that. So, so, so a hundred years ago, it would have been, you know, significantly slower. Again, probably now you, you talk to your great grandparents, they wouldn't say, you know what? Light seems a lot slower now than it was in my day. <laughs> no. But again, go back further, it's going to get exponential. And so if the, the um, increase or degradation of light has been constant, and that's an assumption, then some of the scientists who have studied this was stated that 2000 years ago, you know, the time of Jesus, the speed of light would have been a hundred times faster than it is today okay what does that mean well in order to see how it could be dramatic let's go back even further to about eight thousand years ago which is roughly give or take maybe the time of the flood maybe the time of adam and eve depending on how you age age things there is postulated that again if everything was constant uh the, the um the scale then the speed of light could have been up to ten thousand times faster than it is today now that means that that world, if that's if this is true, 
the ancient world would have looked dramatically different than it does today. We were talking about colors. Colors may have been more vivid. We would have had our, our physical world would have been denser because again, the, the speed of light governs how fast the electron is spinning around the, uh, the nucleus, which um, increases the electromagnetic field, which gives us the illusion of solidity. Remember I said how increases the, its weight. the atom is mostly empty space. The reason that we have things are solid or we have the illusion of it being solid is because you have two, because the electrons have a negative charge. If you, you've seen when, when you try to put two magnets together, you know, they'll stick, but then you turn one over and you, you, they won't stick anywhere. They actually kind of repel each other. That's the, that's the right. electromagnetic field. And if you multiply that by the trillions of atoms that make up you know, our bodies, this table in front of me, our homes and walls, it becomes so, that electric field is so strong that it actually makes it solid because you can't pass through it. That's why my hand does not pass through the table in front of me or my computer because of, those, of that charge. So if the speed of light was much faster, we would have been heavier, denser, and but what I want to talk about is what it, the effect it would have had on our minds, because our thoughts are electric. You know, when you go to the hospital and they put you on an EKG, they're measuring your brain waves. They're measuring the electric impulses in your brain. Your consciousness is light. And the speed at which you think is based on how fast the neurons in your brain process that information. And you know, uh, the, your your ner the your um your neural cells are in are, are they're called dendrites and axioms, and the dendrites they look kind of like trees. If I ha kind of have my hand up here, so the it's a, a long nerve, and then it's like little branches at the top. So when two dendrites are, are communicating with each other, when you have a thought process, and they don't touch, the two dendrites don't touch, and a little electric spark passes between them, and that's how you're how you're physically processing thoughts. So if the speed of light was exponentially faster, then that means that, that that little spark of electricity going between your neural cells was going thousands and thousands of times faster in, in the ancient world, meaning that they would have no, been, Ed, their thoughts would have been processed faster, meaning their perceptions. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it's, it's fascinating because we often look at um, our predecessors, our ancestors, we imagine in this very reductive way that they were you know, infinitely simpler than we yeah. are. And we certainly have been entertaining the thought lately just because of, you know, all of the sort of the sort of hidden history that comes about when you when you delve into conspiracy theory that like, no, yeah. they were probably just as sharp as we are today. It's an it's an additional blow to the ego to suggest for a moment that maybe maybe they were actually firing on all cylinders and processing yeah. things much faster than we are today and that we yeah. we've actually been downgraded substantially do you think you think the phenomenon or the story of like the tower of babel had to do with that incremental uh the incremental loss of light like like maybe just right there boom god was like well that's that big jump and now you guys can't talk to each other anymore figure it out yeah my theory is that the speed of light the slowing down has not been a steady, smooth state. I think it's it's I think it's slowed down dramatically during certain events. I think the fall of the of Adam and Eve was when it slowed down. I think that's when entropy started. I think the speed of light probably was, if not infinite, you know, much much faster, but steady and constant. But then I think that it started slowing down dramatically at that point because Adam and Eve they weren't supposed to die. Their bodies were not supposed to break down. They were supposed to live. They were supposed to live forever. Meaning that mm. whatever they were physically made of, 
it it should have kept going. It should not have started. It should not have been slowing down, but it started slowing down then. And I think the flood was another dramatic um, um, slowing down because remember before that people were living what between eight nine hundred years. But then after the flood, boom, they're living about a hundred years, and then you know and and and, and keep and it's continuing to go down. So that tells me that something happened that degraded the physical world even more. Do you think so? And I think, I think Babel could have been another instance. Do you think so? Well, let's what I want say to finish. The, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, just let me just finish my 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 other thought. So they would have been not only would they have been processing their thoughts faster, they also I think that would have affected their perceptions. So I think they they probably might have been able to actually see the, into the spiritual realm. So we talk about, as you said, we 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 think that the ancients were they were dumber they. They were worshiping these gods because they couldn't explain their world. So they had to worship the God of the rain and the God of the harvest and the God of the sun or whatever. Or could it be that they worship these entities because they could see them, because they could interact with them? I mean, you talk about the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. You know, why, and, you know, the, the Nephilim are the result, according to Genesis chapter six and the, in the pseudepigraphal book of Enoch are the result of Angels, I call them Elohim because if they're some more accurate angel, Angelos means messenger. It's, just, it's a job title. Elohim means mm. you, you dwell in the spiritual realm. The job title they, is a great they, word to use for that because as a, yeah, yeah, we've been researching more. It's like these guys, they're doing stuff. They're busy. They're doing, yeah. They're, yeah. Some of them were messengers and that's most of the people who encountered them in the biblical narrative were getting messages, which is why they call them messengers. But that's, again, that's just what they were doing. That's not what they were. They were all, they were of the Elohim realm. It's like, so God, Jehovah, Yahweh is an Elohim because he lives in that realm. That doesn't mean he's, he's on the same level as the, his created Elohim. He's just, it's just like saying American, you know, I, I live in this country, so I'm an American, but that doesn't mean we're all the same. Like, you know, the president of the United States is a, a different level of American than, you know, average guy like me. Is anyway, he though? Is he even American? Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to use it. our president one as a as an example. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm speaking of the title of president, not necessarily <laughs> the, the 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 senile guy who's currently occupying the office. I just but, want to um, say so something really quickly. Down. It's a yeah, yeah. It's a very short thought, but just this idea yeah. that um, you were able to potentially perceive the uh, the spiritual realm because you were literally quicker. Uh, and this could be absolutely nothing. It's just a throwaway thought, but I can't help but interject because it's a bad habit. But when I see uh, or when people see things, right, you're talking about, let's say, for example, shadow people or or paranormal entities. It's typically in your peripheral vision. And then by the time you turn to it, it's already gone. And I just wonder if that yeah. speaks to our inability to be fast enough to perceive these realms. Ooh. It's like yeah. because when you mm -hmm. see um, our peripheral vision is better at picking up movement than the than our the center of our view. And it's like. Is that literally where uh, I guess our eyes would be able to perceive things a little bit faster, less data, but more more quickly. And so maybe that's why we can only see things there. And then you turn and they're they're non-existent. But uh, please don't I, let I, me derail you be, with psychotic shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, it could be something to that, because keep in mind that when people say that um, we only use 10 percent of our brain, that's not true. We use 100 percent of our brain. We're only in control of 10 percent of it. 10% of it. Our conscious mind is what we are able to control. The other 90% is our unconscious. And that's doing, again, it's nine times more powerful. And that's what controls, you know, you blink in your eye. It controls, you know, your, 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 your feelings, um, you know, the, the release of certain hormones, your unconscious mind controls all that. That's why certain people, if they've, 
if, if they like master their unconscious, they can do like incredible things. They have greater concentration. They can, you know, either they can control their, you know, their bodies and their emotions. But so my point of that is that when you maybe see something in the peripheral, because, you know, your unconscious mind is taking in like way tons of information, tons of bits of information that would overwhelm us consciously. I, we look at um, a, a, a good friend of mine. He has a, a company called Flowcess, um, F-L-O-W-C-E-S-S, like process, but Flowcess. And it, it's, it's a company that shows people how to intentionally get into a state of flow. It's like, you know, theta wave where, you know, when somebody's like, um, you know, you see basketball players when they're like in the zone and they're like, they just can't miss a shot. You know, when yeah. you say that guy's unconscious, it's actually true. He's actually, he's, his unconscious mind has kind of taken over or he's basically toggling between his conscious and his unconscious or, or and, and he, he just can't miss. So like when a pitcher is throwing a no hitter, have you noticed that between innings, nobody talks to the pitcher? they don't want mm -hmm. to break his focus because then he'll start overthinking it and he'll lose it so um the flow says flow says.com guys you should, you feel free to go there um it shows people how to how to get into that intentionally but but he's the one who kind of hit me to all of this and he has what he calls a car and driver model whereas when you get into a car and you're driving you're in control of 10 percent of it you know steering wheel the brakes the accelerator but the rest that's, that's going on you're not in control of, you know, the pistons firing, the oil, you know, going through the engine, all that kind of stuff. That's how he kind of uh, model, talks about our, our mind and our brain. We're in control of 10% of it, but most of it's happening behind the scenes and it's much more powerful. So it could be that in your periphery, that you're taking this information, your that part of your brain is so much faster that you, you notice it, but then you turn, now you focus it on, on it consciously and your conscious mind is too slow to grasp it. So that was just a really long way of saying you may be onto something there. Man, I like <laughs> it. Let's go with that. I might be on. You hear yeah. that, guys? I might be onto something. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, what other what other attributes do you think people would have had back then? Because uh, I mean, like, would would everything have just been twice as twice as like tough? Like, what, I think people would have. What been, was going on? I think we probably people back then would have been bigger and stronger. Which is probably why, which is what I was getting to, the those fallen Elohim, the fallen angels were able to physically procreate with women that they maybe aren't able to do today because, well, they, could, be take graphic, they could take it. <laughs> they could they, they, they take the pounding. And, and oh. women today are too fragile. <laughs> they're trying. They're trying, though. You see them every day. I mean, oh, man. on yeah. OnlyFans, they're, they're doing their best. <laughs> oh, my God. They're doing the best That's they hilarious. Can. <laughs> they're taking Jeez, as much as they man. can. They, they can't handle you, that that angel be so did you see <laughs> nasa sent out naked images of like women and men into space or whatever they're considering space to i was like what are you guys doing you're trying, you're trying to get us right oh, well, like the that's it yeah they, they hope they don't send only fans into space and if there are like aliens will come down and destroy us <laughs> like say, either around. that or they're going to show up and and try to do the same thing they did at the fall you know what i mean that's what they're doing right yeah. now in well, in my opinion exactly. that's what all this abduction yeah. is about yeah. but uh well, yeah, i'm being facetious um, I, I agree because they because i think they can't do it the way they did before because you know it's it because we've changed they it can't handle it you can't handle it but so and, and so one of the reasons why i think we people don't have the same spiritual experiences that maybe because you know the, it's like people in the bible took it for granted they were they weren't that surprised when all this stuff happened because they were they were more in tune with it but today we don't right. experience that spiritual to the same degree because our brains are slower 
we have better Let me toys. Ask you, but yeah. And do you think do you think that the decay in uh in light so it was kicked off by the fall when Adam and Eve get kicked out. And then there's periods, which I agree, like maybe even 9-11 and COVID was one of these periods where you have like this profound human sadness or trauma that happened. Mm. Yeah. Um, is it the events that are lessening the light? Because the light is, it, it may appear to be going slow, but maybe it's just going from event to event. And it kind of does make sense, right? Because it's like, these are massive low vibrational events. Yeah. And that, that yeah. low vibration has to have an effect on frequency and light. And so maybe it is. Maybe it's just so tremendous that I'm saying like, is it imagine... the chicken or the egg? Like, because mm. God's eternal light would not diminish unless right. He's like every time you do some dumb shit, He's like just gets a little further away and a little further. Like, this these people that, are gross. That, yeah, that's my theory. Um, I think that it's God getting further and further away. If you look at the at the entire narrative, right up until the time of Jesus. Jehovah, yes, yes, I just call him. I call him Jehovah because I, it's easier for me to pronounce than 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 Yahweh, Yahuwah. So that's just that's my term for the God of the Bible. It's the German transliteration. If you look at his story, it's him getting further and further away because honestly, we're breaking his heart. I mean, mm. we mm-hmm. he, he he created Adam and Eve to be his to be his children, and and you know, and for them to go and procreate and make more of us. That's what he, that's what it's really all about. He wanted. To hang out with us. I mean, if you look at, you know, people say, you know, the God of the Old Testament, he was just like this angry, vengeful guy. No, he was just reacting to what we did. If you want to know what Jehovah really wanted for us, you look at the beginning where he said, Adam and Eve, hey, here's your hot husband, here's your hot wife, go make some babies, rule the world during the day, do your thing, name the animals, whatever you want to name them. And then at the in the cool of the day, let's you and I just walk and talk and hang out. That's what he wanted. But we kept rejecting him. So I think he was getting further, further, further and further away from us because we kept breaking his heart. So obviously take Adam and Eve. That was a step away. Then, you know, the whole thing with the Nephilim, he has his his spiritual children, you know, the Benaiha Elohim, which is named the sons of God. They come and betray him. And he's like, okay, I'm getting further and further away. Babel, which was another um, instance where you know they were trying to basically invade heaven they you know nimrod they built this ziggurat a pyramid um in order to try to basically invade heaven that's what they wanted to do they didn't want god's way and even when he made his own nation of israel what did they keep doing they kept choosing other gods other elohim over him hey ed your theory you could, really then, it yeah. makes that that story of the tower of babel story seems so much more profound because it's quite possible that like they were actually pretty high up and he's actually aiming an actual arrow at God, not symbol like symbologically, symbolically. Right, like, because he can see him. Yeah, yeah, like who knows? That would be that's some next level stuff. Well, there's a theory that I find fascinating was that before the Tower of Babel, human beings um, communicated telepathically, that we didn't use words to to, to communicate. We actually used our, our, our voices to move things around with using those vibrations to move like the stones of the pyramids and things like that. And that confusing the language, uh, God took away our ability to communicate telepathically. And now we had to use our voices. So I, that's I the, mean, it's, it's that's total speculation. I, but I, I find it fascinating. I think music is so important for that reason. I mean, there's been guests on like Tony Merkel's show, this woman who claimed to have been in the uh, the Mothers of Darkness. You remember this one, mm. David? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
she said that they would basically enter portals and she'd be in Germany one day and then back in the States, just like in a second, kind of going through and they'd, they'd open these doorways or portals by singing through vibration, yeah. through frequency. So, well, yeah, it's God, very, yeah. Jehovah technically sang the world into existence. I mean, the first chapter of Genesis, it's in stanzas. It's a song. You know, it's, you know, evening and morning was the first day. Evening and morning was the second day. So I believe that, yes, songs are really important. I, I think that we, I mean, you're a musician, so you, you know about, you know, how you can change frequencies and that can have a different effect on the way our minds work and they can either calm you down or, or make you even more agitated depending on what kind of music it is. Yeah. Well, but Lucifer, I, I think Lucifer we have no clue as to what the ancient world was like. It, it could have been these portals. Maybe people were singing and, 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 um, and, and transporting from one place to another. So it makes all it's fascinating because I, I remember talking to top and it, top you used to play uh, for the church. And yeah. the way you explained it to me was like, it was your job to almost, I, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like to orchestrate the, the, the sort of um, emotional being of, of an entire group of people to get them ready to receive we like the word of God. I'm an 18 year old or 19 year old and me and my current wife, she used to sing for them and I would play guitar. We had a whole band, but we would usher in the Holy Spirit so that when the pastor comes, the crowd is primed and ready. It's a really important thing. But I'm like, this is dangerous. Like you just let kids do this. This is <laughs> like even playing music. You're dabbling in in the field. Like, you know, if I, I think that Lucifer was a musician, according to what the Bible says about when he walks, right. he, yeah. you know, made sounds, beautiful sounds. Um, we're dabbling in that kind of stuff. It's yeah, weird. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's Bible's pretty clear that he, he they said the tremble and the harp were his, you know, where was, was what he used. So, yeah, I believe he was a musician. And I think that's why that they've corrupted our music to, to such a degree because it is so influential. I mean, it can completely change your change your mood. It can change your way of thinking. I think frequencies are powerful because we're all made of them. Our physical bodies were 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 are, are made of these vibrations. So when you change the you vibrations, know, you can change the what's happening in the physical world. And to that brings like such a really potent point to what we were saying earlier, where the symbolism is out in the open. It's no longer sort of subversive and hidden, and not only has the messaging around music become inherently satanic in its symbolism, but also it has become so reductive to uh, top talks about it all the time when they changed the frequency that music was commonly played in. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm butchering, uh, you know, my well, way yeah, of expressing it was, that. It was recorded in 432. That was a standard. And then after like, yeah. I forget which year now it's 440. My guitars are tuned to 432 though. I don't play that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's if you look at um formulaic pop music and formulaic hip-hop it's it's very reductive and i do believe it is specifically that formulaic it's like an entire industry has gotten behind this music and has said these are the the almost the simple hypnotic frequencies that we play this is what works and this is also um what most effectively drives the messaging home in the case of hip hop, it's become subversive uh, to the black community. And now it's, it's much more than the black community because hip hop is, is much more um, ethnically 
inclusive and it's just hit the world stage it's kind of the main driving force behind music right now as far as popularity and so not only do they have this sort of poisonous messaging that they've they've uh put into the music but it also makes you wonder about you know 444 hertz is the delivery system for that messaging and it's so formulaic and it's so reductive and it's it's hypnotizing and repetitive uh and simplistic in nature Maybe they had to increase the, the hertz of, of the frequency of the, the music we listen to because the light slowed down. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe Who there's knows? something behind yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, all music now is it's all hooks. I mean, it's just and, and the hook is just beating the same message into you over and over again. It's a form, like you said, it's a form of mass hypnosis. And you know, when I first noticed it, ironically, was listening to certain preachers preach on TV. Where, where they would say something like, you know, touch your neighbor and say so-and-so or, or or repeat after me. Those, I mean, I, I have my degrees in psychology and I've studied the way the mind works and the way suggestion works. And a lot of these TV preachers were using the power of suggestion and mass hypnosis. So it's, it's called verbal tactile hypnosis. Touch your neighbor and say, you know, the Lord's going to bless you today. Well, or, or whatever they want to say, what you're, you're doing verbal tactile hypnosis on the entire crowd and that's why they end up giving them so much money when the offering plate comes around so funny not i don't that. like that when i go to church i'm like i don't um uh, i'm not good at church not because i don't like uh, really it's specifically like i have to suspend my my sort of skepticism of people pretend that everybody i'm surrounded with is you know uh somebody that i would technically or typically let into my personal life and then there is a lot of that like i can't do that i'm not i think i'm resistant if you you know sometimes they do like a hypnosis thing and there's every once in a while somebody that just doesn't go along there yeah. is a certain character type that is susceptible to hypnosis i am not of that type and i do that i look at body language i look at like what you're really trying to do here i think about what you're trying to get out of me far too much to ever suspend my my disbelief and my skepticism of people uh well, and to allow myself in that position Ed, i was gonna say again like going back to that uh the vibration the frequency uh pitch when you're talking about music all these dudes that have perfect pitch listen to them talk I'm, i wouldn't be surprised if you said that barack obama had perfect pitch because he enunciated everything exactly the way it needed to be and it is some type of a spell He's like, he's, he's casting a spell, but he's hitting the correct notes and they, and they're completely aware of it. The people listening, have maybe you not. Noticed, have you noticed, this is something that I, before I even knew anything about frequency or pitch or anything like that, watching news broadcasts, everyone speaks in the same cadence. Everyone speaks in a lower voice and they speak the same cadence, whether you're watching NBC, ABC, CNN, whatever, they're all speaking in the same cadence. They, their voices are That's lower than they possibly should it's a form they're hypnotizing people they and then are, what are they doing they're state. doing they're doing operation they, mockingbird on top of it right where you yeah, have the mockingbird media saying the exact yep. same thing across all different channels across all different states they're hitting the exact same notes in yep. the exact same cadence to the point where you can overlay them over one another and the audio syncs up yeah it, yeah they're make you're, you're susceptible now now that you've listened to that tone you're 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 now your mind is open to receive whatever they're going to say and that's why that's how they're you know demoralizing everyone it's it's i think yeah because what are they saying huge demoralization campaign Do just you, you know are you a fan to, to, are you a fan of the idea of like a, the great awakening or some kind of enlightening of of people i go back and forth 
um, one of my good friends of one who is named John Linhart, he's the one who has the, uh, the flow test site. He believes that, yeah, there's going to be one final great revival. I'm not sure. I think we're, I, he could be right. And I want to believe it. And I hope I want to be a part of it. But part of me also thinks that we're, we're past the point of no return that we're just going to keep degradating, but uh, degrading, but maybe there will be one more. And I think there would only be one more because if you look at, again, not only the speed of light slowing down, but our lower vibrations becoming, because again, um, light vibrations are all connected. So as the speed of light is, is slowing down, lower vibrational stuff be is becoming more prominent and it's just happening exponentially. Even yeah. though the, the you know, speed of light is slowing down incrementally, if you look at, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm older than you guys. I look at when I was a teenager, there were things that were unthinkable. If you were to tell me when I was 18, what the world would be like today, I'm like, that's impossible. Maybe in a couple hundred years, you know, people who are trans would be completely accepted. Maybe in a couple hundred years, all the, but it's happening exponentially. I mean, again, I have no, your sexuality, whatever you, I, I, that's not my business. But when I was growing up, it was not an acceptable thing to, you know, to be gay. Not, not now, not only is it accepted, it's celebrated. It's like promoted. Yeah. It's like, if you're not gay, there's something wrong with you. I'm like, I would have, you could not have, I, I would have bet you any amount of money that that would not have happened in my lifetime. My point not is, only is it promoted, we've gotten to the point where it's required. You have to. <laughs> Acceptance and celebration is required. I'll go a step further than you guys. I was in the libertarian camp where it's it's almost now looking back at it almost like satanism like do as that will but no that's that's horrible because i was always a christian but I would, I would look at the gay stuff and i'd say you know what in in your own bedroom like that that's my line like whatever do what you want to do yeah. yeah now i'm kind of like man it's almost a direct affront to god and i do have gay friends but i'm like this is all contributing to where we're headed and how far yeah. down we are whether we accept it as a society or not, it's like, man, guys, we really got to take a stop and like look at like what we what we are doing as people. I've got anyway. to the same way. It's like I recognize yeah. I used to be the exact same way. Whatever you do, it's not my business. Now I recognize like, oh, sometimes what you do like in silence still is corrosive to society. And then it 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 comes out and it becomes more corrosive. And then it's, you know, like we said, to the point now where acceptance and, and celebration is like required and i can see the steps that got us there and i'm like huh maybe yeah. maybe like we steps should have to pedophilia perkers this is like we're, yeah. we're not far off from pedophilia being legal that's really yeah. the end game yeah in my opinion yeah, and even now it's, it's still unimaginable to me now unimaginable but as especially as a father but it just seems to be going that way where they're going to be a protected class yeah it, it, <laughs> So all that to say, I think that we are accelerating and I I think this is the terminal generation. Again, I could be wrong. I mean, I think every generation has thought they were the last one. Yeah, that's what I was right. gonna say. But this really does. My mom it really does. <laughs> my mom's like, this is over. Believe me. It's a, you yeah. and now I'm like, I'm looking at my kids and I'm like, what am I giving? What am I leaving these guys? Will there be right. anything left? Because like you're saying, the trajectory that we're on is just alarming. It's I mean, we're we're in a world where Satanism is sponsored by the largest corporations on the planet, right? Nike yeah. is sponsoring little Nas X's satanic air air maxes. Like, I don't know I just how saw, much more overt it has to get. 
on Twitter the other day, this is the most bizarre. I made a joke about it because I'm just, I, that's who I am. But a girl gets assisted suicide and she's 17, 18. And her last post on Twitter was actually a pretty banger meme of like her. So she's like, when did you're about to commit suicide or something? I laughed, but I'm like, this is where we are as a society that like little kids, 18, what did I know? You're just like, she, her, her reason was she was tired. I'm like, yeah, chronic, That's where we chronic are. fatigue, uh, wow. anxiety, and depression. I'm mm. like, if you don't look at the world and get anxious, like there's something wrong with you. You know what I mean? So don't even yeah. worry about that part. And like you're chronically sleepy. Bitch, welcome to the club. I'm sleepy all the goddamn time, but I got shit to do. I'm not killing myself. <laughs> <laughs> damn. What I want to do, I want to that, you know, in on, on a negative note, but I do think it's as 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 Christians, as believers, I think we have access to, you know, the spirit of Jehovah, the Holy Spirit. And I think that is what can, if we accept it and accept the, the power that that's behind it, I think we, we can be more spiritually inclined. So I would not be surprised. Like my, my friend, John believes that as this new revival happens, that the spiritual realm is going to become a lot more prominent because if a group, if, if they're is a lot of more people being saved the holy spirit his presence is increasing then that's going to speed things up and we're going to see miracles and i think that's that's really mm -hmm. interesting but but then you also I look do at feel the like other we end. could be yeah i'm sorry to interrupt but i do feel like we could be yeah. at this revival because um i could feel it culturally amongst my peers where it's like we're all shifting in that direction. I think it's because the darkness has become so overt that people can't mm -hmm. help but notice. And so I do feel like I can feel this moment happening right now where like even on on X on Twitter, <clears throat> you know, there's no um, there's a significant lack of hesitation to like glorify Christ and to talk about God. And that was not the case. I don't know, uh, three, four years ago, it didn't feel like that. Yeah. You know, now it's like, you know, it feels like people are engaged and and not hesitant anymore. And so there's momentum behind that. I can feel that momentum. I would not be surprised. Uh, and I would fully expect for this to get much bigger. Here's my theory, because sure. I, I, yeah, I don't think this is just like scientific stuff, like there was a light source and now it's decaying over time. I think in order to fulfill this prophecy, when they say like, in the end, times will be as, as they were in the days of Noah, where you had some weird stuff going on. That stuff can't manifest with light this far away because we're just kind of weak. But as this revival does happen, that's kind of why I mentioned it, where it, it kind of came in my mind. I was like, it seems bleak, but it also does seem like a revival. There will probably be some kind of great revival where this light will now go parabolic and it'll be strong enough to manifest. And, and that's maybe maybe that's that last battle where we're getting, you know, these creatures or whatever. Yeah. I was veils. wondering why you asked I, that. That's interesting. I think that, um, you know, again, I've, I've done my series on Revelation where I, I talk about, you know, what's it, the last days. And, and as, you know, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, you know, so shall it be at the, at the time of the com son, coming of the Son of Man. I think it means a return of the Nephilim. Mm. I think that, and again, this is a whole other show we can do at some point if you want, because my theory on the the opening of the six seals of the of the book of of, of the scroll um, that Jesus was given in Revelation chapter six and the four horsemen, I don't believe those are from God. That's the the common um, com most commentators believe that that's the beginning of God's judgments, but I actually believe those four horsemen are satanic. I believe that they're being let loose, 
and Satan is going to give is going to get his one shot because you know he's going to get his one shot to try to do things his way. He's going to the first horseman is the, the white horse rider is the Antichrist. Then you're going to have the red rider, who people call, they call it war, but it doesn't say war. It says men will kill one another. That word kill is the word svatso, svatso in Greek, which means a ritualistic slaughter for the sake, ritualistic slaughter for spiritual means. There's going to be a great amount of bloodshed, ritually happening with the red horsemen, and I think that's going to release tons of spiritual energy. If you notice, anytime there's any anytime there is a satanic ritual, it involves either blood, sex, or both. Why? Mm. Because blood, life is in the blood. Sex, obviously, is, is how we procreate and bring life into the world. That something about that energy of life thins the barrier between the spiritual and the physical realm and allows spiritual energy to go from one to the other. So if you have this massive um, ritualistic killing, spiritual energy is going to be produced. The black horseman, that's economics. It's basically it's inflation. You know, you, you work an entire day for a loaf of bread. That we you can do that easily with our current system. Then you have the the pale horseman, and it says he's going to kill a fourth of the earth through war, famine, disease, and the beasts of the earth. That term in Greek is therion gigantes. Gigantes is the word is the Greek word for Nephilim in this in in the Septuagint uh, translation of the Old Testament. It, 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 instead of saying the Nephilim were on the earth, it says the Gigantes were on the earth in those days. The giants. Gigantes means it sounds like born. Spanish. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it means, sounds like it means Gigante. Giant. I, I may have mispronounced it because I don't speak Greek. <laughs> I speak more Spanish than Greek. But Gigantes or Gigantes or, or whatever it means the earthborn but that was it that was one of the titles of the nephilim when it so it, when it says the beasts of the earth the therion gigantes it means the the those entities are coming back and they're going to be responsible for killing which is what they did during the days of noah you know they wiped out most of pop, most of the population to the point where it's the bible strongly hints that noah and his family were the only pure humans left on earth which is why god's okay i get this I, impression it. when it's the beasts of the earth too it's like a lot of the rhetoric around the the nephilim that um are persistent to you know till modern times is that they're within the earth that they're in these massive underground cave systems if you go to the giant of kandahar coming out of the the caves in afghanistan um there was a video i saw recently of a gentleman who was responsible for uh delivering to deep underground military bases he was just a truck driver and there was one place in particular where he was um he was instructed never to use the name of christ while in this facility which he thought was very strange and he says that at one point he saw what he thought was a gigantic humanoid like a giant man walking down one of the corridors but only caught like a glimpse of it as it moved by and so it's like there is a lot of anecdotal evidence that suggests that underground, you know, going back to what I flubbed on um, Tinfoil Hat, I accidentally called the gentleman R Whitley Shriver. Whitley Shriver is an author. Phil Schneider is the man who was responsible for, yeah. uh, he was a contracted by the government to build deep underground military bases. He found that there was entities underground and it ultimately led to him losing his life uh, when he tried yeah. to spread the word after an encounter. But there's no shortage of of uh, anecdotal stories that suggest that within the earth there is some race of something, and oftentimes that's attributed to giants. So when I hear beasts of the earth, I can't help but go there in my mind. Yeah, you you nailed it, and yeah, and I heard his um the guy you just named. I heard one of his lectures on YouTube. I don't know if it's still on YouTube or they took it off, but I remember many years ago I heard his lecture and like I was just I was floored 
talking about the you know those deep underground bases and and he sounded very credible i mean he had the injuries to prove you know what he he also had the the jargon as a man who was uh in that field you know when somebody is in a certain field uh top used to be a truck driver if he starts talking about the technicalities of driving truck you're gonna go okay for sure he was in that industry (laughs) if he starts talking about music you're gonna go okay for sure he's a musician and so Phil Schneider had this this uh, this language about him where there was no doubt in my mind that I was listening to a man who was occupied in, you know, in that profession. Yeah, I'm with you. So I, that's why. So that's what I think about when that's what I think of when I when I uh, reflect on Jesus's words that, you know, it'll be like the days of Noah, because the days of Noah it was all about the Nephilim. So I think they're I think they'll be coming back. And if you look at the, the sixth seal. Is there's a great earthquake the earth opens up why i think to let them all out because i think jehovah wants all of the all of the players on the chessboard before mm. the judgment starts because i and i've said i say this several times in my revelation series jehovah does not want to judge humanity that's not that was never his intention for us his intention was for us to be with him he he's going to judge the spiritual evil however if you if you voluntarily align yourself with the spiritual evil, then you're going to you're going to be subject to those same judgments. That's not his will. His will is for us to be with him. But if you align yourself, and that, that's the whole mark of the beast thing, which I believe I believe the mark of the beast is going to alter your DNA to make you into a vessel for the Nephilim. Because you know that, that's what demons are. I mean, we hear we read this in the book of Enoch that what we call demons are the spirits of deceased Nephilim because they they were cursed to you know to roam the earth until the time of judgment. Which is why when Jesus was casting out the you know, demons, one of them would ask him, hey, who are, what do we have to do with you, Jesus? Are you here to punish us before the time? So they knew there was a time when they had a judgment coming and they knew it wasn't yet. So they're like, wait a minute, Jesus, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing this yet. Funny how they recognized Jesus, but nobody else did. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it, so they knew that they were due for a judgment and they knew it wasn't that time. So that's why they seek and that's why demons possess people. They seek embodiment. So if the mark of the beast alters your DNA to make you not human anymore, and you now can be a vessel for the Nephilim, that explains so much of Revelation. It explains why these people aren't, that's why taking the mark of the beast makes you ineligible for salvation. You're no longer human. Jesus didn't die for non-humans. But you've also- It's interesting too, because- Go ahead, Top. That could have even been the case in the times of Noah. You know, like maybe not all those people were- Nephilim, obviously they're not, because there's going to be a lot of people that are living under subjugation. But yeah, who knows? What if they did take a vaccine? That was, well, you know, you know, not even <laughs> just that. You but don't it's know. Like, with the with the whole concept of the mark of the beast, it is something that, in my opinion, you have a choice in. And we oh, talk yeah, very totally. often on this show, uh, Top and I, about how these these entities they they have rules and laws that they have to follow. And one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things that they're um, confined by is consent. And so maybe a time will come where, uh, whereby choosing this, this thing is a form of massive consent. And maybe the thing that you're consenting to is, you know, to be a vessel because uh, very often it's, it's how that works out. You know, when, when it comes to possession, it's like you're inviting something in. And so maybe, yeah, maybe right. a time will come where it's a piece of technology or something like that. And, and you know, maybe within the, the terms and conditions on page uh, 666, <laughs> it's going to say, hey, you should have read this shit, buddy. You just gave your body. Yeah, it's, well, it's well messed played. up. Um, yeah. The, the, Here's the thing is that 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Top. I was just going to say that, like, because one of our friends we've interviewed on the show that's been in contact with entities that told the story mm. and a guy that was just on Tony Merkel's show, very strange overlapping stories. But during their story, as they were abducted and they're being worked on and something happening, uh, the beings just kept telling them, like, you consented to this. Like, you consented. Calm down. Don't struggle. And the idea that they did consent, like, not like an outright, here's a paper, sign it, yes, but like their actions along the way, you've consented to, to whatever this is. It's a very tricky, slippery line. So people who are listening to this, like, every time you do, I'm not saying, you know, like, don't, don't sin, but every time you do make that conscious decision for whatever it is, if it's not right, you're cons it's just consent. You're not signing a right, paper. It's right. not as obvious as that, but it's just like every single decision. And that's, that's horrible to think of because I'm messing up all the time, but I'm mm -hmm. rather than sinning against myself, like I'm thinking about it, like, am I consenting to something that I don't want later? Like that's that a might much be more potent way of looking at it. I mean, maybe we should be looking yeah. at it that way. We probably should. I mean, even if it wasn't a real ramification in the spiritual realm, if everybody thought that before they engaged in some debauchery, we'd probably be in a much better place. So yes, certainly it's better to look at it that way. But also, maybe that's incredibly valid. Maybe that's exactly what's happening. I did that a long time ago with like <laughs> looking at pornography. That stuff comes up all the time on Twitter or anywhere. You could just see a picture and then all of a sudden in your brain and but yeah. but it's consent. I'm not, I know I'm not going to consent to that. That's, that's also right. why I'm such an asshole, like on Twitter and all that, because when I see these arguments that are clearly detrimental, I say, I will not consent to it. And I spit in your face, sir. And then make a, <laughs> make a fool of you as well, because I just, it's, it's so much of that, man. I, I still mess up every day, but man, the more yeah. you think about it, like that's, that's all that it is. Well, we, we have, God gave us sovereignty. And no entity can take that sovereignty, but we can give it up. And, mm -hmm. and, it, may, and it can be either overt or, 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 or tacit. And by that, if you start messing around in some of these areas, these, some of these spiritual areas that you don't know and you don't know what you're doing, you're opening yourself up to it. You can start with something as simple as like a Ouija board. And then you can, you can even get into the music aspect of which we were talking about earlier, where some, where, you know, they will tell you, hey, you know, just open yourself up to spirituality or, I mean, I would, I don't, I'm not going to disrespect yoga because I, I do some stretching and that sort of thing. But, but the spiritual aspect, when they tell you just to clear your mind, when, when you clear your mind out, when you're letting something, you're allowing something else to get in there. Mm. What was Jesus had a, talked about? He said, you know, when, when you cast a demon out, you know, it goes through waterless places and then it comes back and sees that its old home is clean and swept and there's nothing there. And it comes back with seven more. Why? Because your mind was empty. So you're opening yourself up to that, but you cannot be possessed without giving some type of consent and fortunately christians can be possessed because we already have a spirit inside of us we have the spirit of jehovah of the spirit of the holy spirit in us so we can't be possessed because i've never heard I've, I've talked to or i've heard from some people who have said that you know christians can't be abducted by by these well, aliens i know for i you know it's hard to say a fact without, but I know without, consent, that... without their consent yeah, I know that you can stave off these abduction experiences, these alien entities uh, by invoking the name of Christ. I That is something that you will find like, I mean, it, it, thousands and thousands of people from firsthand testimonies where they're explaining like 
you know, I've had experiences myself. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say they were alien in nature, but calling upon Christ to 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 stop, you know, a, a, a paranormal event, um, you will find no shortage of testimonies of the exact same nature. Just substitute the paranormal entity, demonic entity with aliens um and it's the same story so you know that should definitely uh raise some eyebrows and i think well, that, I'll, I'll say what, one more thing on the on the that revelation part of the that sixth seal when it's one it's, it's there's a great earthquake and then it says the stars of heaven are cast down to earth like like a, a fig tree is um uh, sheds its figs during a storm so this is not this isn't not by choice you know the you know, stars of heaven is an idiom for the angels, for the Elohim. So it looks like, so they are forcibly cast down to earth and they are going to be in our physical realm. They're gonna have, you know, they're gonna manifest. That's what I think Project Bluebeam is all about. I think Project Bluebeam, I think they know it's coming and they're going to masquerade, they're going to masquerade as aliens. I think they know that eventually, they can read the Bible, they know that eventually they're gonna be cast down here and they're going to physically manifest. And I think they're going to disguise themselves or say, hey, you know, we're your space brothers. We're your real creators. And you know, we've come here during this this time of of, of of distress to show you the way. And you know, so this you guy think, here, yeah. You think that they're going to come, but not by their own accord. They're 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 going to be cast down. Like they're not going to be allowed to be flying around. That's no, interesting. Going, I said, like I said, I think Jehovah wants all of the players on the table for for the judgment. And they know it's coming, and they're not going to be able. They're yeah, it's going to be against their will. Wow. It's interesting. Um, now imagine the psychology of these entities knowing full well, they'll tell them it's not, it's not the time yet. You know how it ends and they're still yeah. going to, you're going to play out this act still all the way to the end. It must, man, psychologically, what does that do to, what would that do to a person? Like knowing no matter what I do. Writhe. It's like, it, you know, within you, you're writhing because there's no way, there's no form of escape. Uh, there's no way to alter the story. And so talk about it's like, what do you get when you take frustration and you dial it all the way up to 11? You get like writhing, you know, and I you think that violence. that is. Yeah. yeah. They, right. That's right. They hate us. And because the other thing to keep in mind is that they've already been judged in the spiritual realm. And when when you're judged by when God judges you, you no longer have a free will. So they, so I've always wondered, like, why, why are they still doing this if they know the outcome? Because they don't have any other, they don't have a free will anymore. The only wow. thing they can do is make, they can't stop what's happening. They can, but they can take as many of us with them as they can. That's, that's their only goal now is to, to thwart God's plan. And, and if God's plan is for humanity to dwell with him for eternity, well, the only way to thwart his plan is to make sure, or, or to do whatever you can to make sure as few people as possible choose choose god maybe it's, this isn't something that we could have an answer to but i wonder if they if they can repent like are you certainly locked on that path or could could these things repent too i don't believe they can repent for two reasons one they have repentance is when you acknowledge that you made a mistake that you know you say i was wrong i didn't you know i i, I wasn't i didn't have all the information i made a mistake they didn't make mistakes they knew exactly what they were doing. They have, because they're in the spiritual realm, they knew the ramifications and they chose to do it. Like if you read the book of Enoch, when he talks about um, the, you know, the, the 200 Elohim that came down and procreated with women, they said, look, 
we're gonna we're gonna do these let's take a pack let's make an oath because i think you guys are gonna back out so and we're gonna do this evil thing so we ought to be in agreement so they knew exactly what they were doing they decided and what that, is you know what's the yeah. definition of blasphemy um blasphemy is basically you mean like blasphemy against the holy spirit yeah because that's like well that's the only sin that is unforgivable right so what these right. guys did must have bordered on that territory if that's the only thing that you can't come back from so maybe yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Uh, blasphemy is is um calling someone something else by the name of god and by i don't just mean the physical name jehovah i mean when you when you say the name of jehovah you mean everything that he represents so when you pray and say i pray in the name of jesus you're not just saying the word jesus what you're saying is i'm i'm presenting all that you are i'm coming mm. in your name i'm you so i'm representing you so blasphemy is misrepresenting intentionally misrepresenting god and that's so when he of, says that's what they've done. The Holy Spirit, because yeah, well, remember the context in which Jesus said this. It's it is when the he performed a miracle, and the Pharisees said that you're casting out demons by the power of Satan. So what they basically did, but he was casting them out through the power of Jehovah. So they were blaspheming by saying that, um, attributing what God did to Satan to they call Beelzebub, you know, one of the which is one of the names. So that's when Jesus said everything will be forgiven, except attributing the work of God to something else. And the reason you can't forgive that is because if you're attributing the work of God to something else, then you can't be saved. And that means you're attributing salvation to something other than God. And if you are, and if you believe that, if, if you think you're being saved by something other than the work of God, then you're not really saved. That's how all this Nephilim stuff started. They presented themselves as God. Well, I mean, yeah. they wanted to be God. They, they, yeah, within themselves as God. Well, what they wanted, they wanted what God had. God created humanity, which spiritual human hybrids. You know, we have we're spirits in a material body. They said, we want that as well. We want what God has. And they had the perspective of saying, hey, I think we we know that if we, we can procreate, we can like make ourselves less and come down to this physical plane. We can give up our... I think in the book of Jude, it says, you know, the angels who gave up their first estate, their first habitat and came down and went after strange flesh. Um, no, that's the whole um, that's the whole aspect I was talking about before, where our, our world is like the fluffy ethereal world and the spiritual realm is a real solid world. So when a, a spiritual entity comes into our world, they don't become more real. They become less real. They become less substantive so that we can interact with them. So these entities that they, you know, they became less substantive so that they could interact with, with, with the human women at the time. That's interesting. We just talked to somebody recently, right? To, or I, I don't remember if we talked to him on the show, um, but it was this idea that, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on the show uh, when a, uh, let's say a, a three-dimensional uh, being enters a two-dimensional realm, it would suddenly almost just appear as if somebody like poked a finger or something right, or, yeah. or or a single spot into a two-dimensional world where you know we it would be losing a lot of its three-dimensional properties to to appear there and so the same would be said if something were to enter our three-dimensional realm from a fourth or, or higher dimension uh it would lose a lot of its physicality i suppose um it would shed a lot just to be here yeah, it, yeah. Just it, scientists theorize that we live in eleven dimensions that we're able to perceive four of them: that our three spatial dimensions plus time. 
but then you have but they're you know but but they're but so the spiritual realm will be 11 dimensions so if you can imagine you know like you said going from three dimensions to two how much you lose but imagine going from 11 dimensions down to three how right much and you would also and see it it would look like it would appear and then disappear yeah. like without mm -hmm. any sort of explanation uh right. very much in the same way you would dip your three-dimensional finger onto a two-dimensional piece of paper you know a spot would suddenly appear to two-dimensional characters and then the second you re removed your finger off the paper it would vanish instantly but you saw the whole process all you did was drop right. in and drop out and so when we see spiritual entities uh seemingly pop in and out of existence or we hear these stories in the bible uh it probably looks a lot different from their perspective. You it's know like what I mean? A, a high resolution glitch. Like a, if you ever played Pokemon, they had like the missing number guy. He had all these yep, eyes, yep. but he was like eight bit. These guys, these guys are coming into three dimension. They're like, oh, they got like a thousand eyes now. The angels looking all crazy with the wings like coming yeah, out of everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's right. just how they manifest it because they're in a crappy, like <laughs> crappy layer of existence. Yeah, they've yeah, yes, got to come down from, yeah, they got to come up from, from HD down to Atari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly remember when jesus was in his was in his resurrected body what did he, he he just appeared to the disciples like you know they were in a room and he was just hey here i am so and you know he so he didn't like open a door he just appeared and the good news for us if you're a christian that's the you know that's the type of body that we're we're you know that we're supposed to have you know on the other side yeah you know ed as we as we wind this down because i want to respect your yeah. time um Sure. I want to go back and just talk about one last thing uh, that we yes. touched on. So you said uh, yoga, when they said clear your mind, it's not such a good idea because you have to have something in there. And if something's not in there, it should be filled in. So and, and you said possibly the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? We like to give we like to give the people answers before something they go back into the world. <laughs> Some just sort of methodology for. What was that? I'm sorry. What, what, what was your question? You said, how do we do what exactly? How do we, so in, how do we fill our minds with the oh. Holy Spirit? Is, what, what would you suggest uh, a remedy for the people listening? Good question. Here's the thing. This is like a whole big thing that we can get into at some point. Um, if we, if, if you guys have me back. Absolutely. The way God operates, he he, he obviously he doesn't need anything. He's perfect. He has all the knowledge he could ever want. But if you look through the Bible, he likes getting others. Uh, he likes involving other people in his decisions and what he does. He has a counsel. There is a I, I wish I could remember the exact verse, chapter verse. I think it's in the, in the book of Kings where um, um, uh, one of the prophets is talking about how Ahab, Ahab, you know, evil King Ahab was going to die. And he was the prophet was kind of, he was brought into the throne room of Jehovah and there was angels around him. And um, Jehovah said, you know what? It's time for Ahab to go. How, how should we, how should we go? How should we um, get rid of him? And the prophet said, you know, one angel said this thing and another angel said another. And then finally one step forward and says, no, I know how, how I'm going to do it, how we should do it. I will be, you know, um, a lying spirit in his mind and that will get him to do X, Y, and Z. And Jehovah said, okay, good idea. We're going to go with that. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So my, my point is that he, Jehovah wants us to be involved with him. He wants us to be a part of his council. Adam and Eve were a part of the council. They were, and they were the representatives of earth. They were on Eden, which Eden was actually a, a garden on top of a mountain. We see in, in Ezekiel chapter 28, when it talks about the fall of Satan, it says you were in Eden, the garden of God on God's holy mountain. They lost that ability 
to be part of God's council when they fell. However, when Jesus came and he, we become a part of the family again, we have the ability to once again be part of the council. So we can go directly to God and, and just and talk to him and be a part of his council. So here's how, so I, that was all set up to answer your question. The way you do it is by communing with, with God and understanding. First, I think you start by coming into his presence with thanksgiving. You are thankful for what you have and for what he's given you. And then your, your next step is to start speaking to him and getting into, in, into in sync with him. And I think the best way to do it is to tell him his story back to him. Here's what I mean by that. And I'll give you an example from the book of Acts. You have uh, Stephen, who was you know, the martyr who was stoned. Um, to, uh, to death, not not stoned and getting high, but he was he was killed by stoning. Die that way? Quite quite the difference. <laughs> quite the difference. And what he did, if you read his story, he gave the entire story of Jehovah from beginning to end. You know, from Adam and Eve all the way up to the, what the Israelites did to Jesus, and and he was so he was witnessing and telling Jehovah's story back to him. And at the end, as he was being killed, he saw the throne room of God and, and Jesus standing next to him, welcoming him to heaven. They were, all, they were almost like giving him a standing ovation. Why? Because God loves hearing you tell his story back to him. When you tell that to him, that, that lets him know that you're in sync with me, you get it. You can walk with me because you understand me. You understand that all I've wanted to do is love you and hang out with you and be with you, but you, but people keep rejecting me. But however, I still want you to be with me. If you have that mindset that whenever I've had trouble, like communing with God, I'll just, I will not only tell that story back to him, but I'll relate it to my own life. And I'll say, you know what, God, you've always wanted me to be with you, but I keep screwing up. It's been my fault. I, it's not a matter of you becoming distant from me. It's me becoming distant from you. And I, I'm sorry for that. I repent of that. I want to be in your presence. I want to, I want to hang out with you. And when, and when I've done that, I've just felt the presence of God in my life because he's, because he's like, that's what I want to hear. I just want you to be a part of my counsel and you can ask me questions and I'll answer it. That was actually how the book of Job ended. Job said, you know, you know, I've, I've learned that I'm going from now on, I'm going to ask and expect you to answer me. So that's how I believe you get. Honestly, to he owed Job yeah. a little bit. Yeah, you did. You yeah. do owe Job some answers after all that. <laughs> yeah, 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 he did. But here's the thing. Job never, if you look at the story of Job, he never, he didn't ask God until the end. He never said, why, why is this happening to me? He just taught us talking with his friends and trying to rat. I'm not blaming Job. Job is obviously a, a really good guy. But he never went directly to Jehovah and asked him, why are you doing this to me? He went to his mm. friends and tried to rationalize and his friends were rationalizing back to him and they did a really poor job, except for the, uh, the last one. He, um, um, I think Eli Elihu was the, the last friend who actually um, told him the truth. And then once he was ready, then once that happened, then he had his encounter with, with God because he was finally ready to talk to God. Jehovah, I mean, Job did a lot of things for God, he did all the sacrificing, all the praying, but he, but I think God wanted a better relationship with Job. And that's, a, that's, that's, a, a, that's great, a big, big, big thing. We have to have you back on to discuss every book of the Bible, but that's a great because <laughs> up until now, the story of Job always seemed to me like a guy that just like, 
like it was telling the story of that of, of his faith but it's actually yeah. not that and that makes a lot more sense it's 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 like that tiny piece that he was missing and it's not about his faith right. it's just that little part that's that's very interesting and and what you just said there i'm going to take to tonight because i pray with my kids every night okay and we do i figured it out i guess i figured out the first two parts on my own where number one we just i kind of make them say thanks like say i don't make them but i say tell them thanks for all like the little dumb stuff that you did because that's what you know i rode my scooter today say thanks and then and then i try to make it into well we're just talking now like i'm talking to them but we're also talking to god and every so often we'll be like yeah right right god you know like he's there too then the third right. part that storytelling part is is probably the most important so now i'm gonna I have to think about that, how to incorporate that, but thank you. It's such a beautiful thing because- I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. Understand that the Bible is Jehovah's story. That's what it is. I mean, the Bible is not a comprehensive textbook for life. If, it, if that's what it was, it actually doesn't do a great job of that. The Bible only, it starts, it starts out in the, in the widest terms possible, the creation of the universe. Then within about 10 chapters, it focuses on this narrow strip of land in the Middle East. What about China? What about Africa? What about Europe? Does God not care about those places? Of course he does, but but he's not trying to give you a comprehensive history and geography lesson. He's telling you stories about who he is so that you understand his character. And if you understand what God's character and how he interacts with human beings and what he wants from us, then you won't be fooled by anyone blaspheming him, saying things that are wrong about him because you're going to say, you know what? That's not, that's not the God I know because I know his stories. So I know who he is and what his character is. And that's what the Bible is all about. So that's, and I believe that God loves stories because stories are eternal. You think about your favorite story, your favorite book, your favorite movie. You can close your eyes and go back there at any point. You know the whole story, but you can go back into it and it's eternal. And you still feel the same things you felt the first time you saw it or heard it because stories are the, are the language of eternity. It's why Seems it's like, probably why they're destroying the story. The archetype because there's only so many archetypes that you can tell. But yeah, yeah every, I'm a, star, every I'm a, time I'm a I look, Star Wars fan, and they they've killed Star Wars. Oh and my god! Purposefully, yeah, purposefully, yeah, purposefully because yeah, I, yeah. it's they, what they're doing is telling a story that at the very foundation is not true. You know, like that. That's it's never going to resonate. It's never going to mean anything. But the old Star yeah. Wars stories had these hero archetypes or right. you name it. And all these archetypes can obviously be found in the Bible because that's where most of these stories come from. Where every yeah, good exactly. story comes from. It's kind of profound how um, human beings just have this real knack for complicating things. And it's like, we've really straw manned God, those of us who rebel against him and are fighting this complete straw man. And, and to simplify it in a way where it's like, you should be thankful and also, like, he wants you to walk and talk with him. Like, right. what does God want? He wants a relationship with you. Like, whoa, exactly. that is not the straw man that people beat up, you know, on the public stage. Uh, I just think that's it's just funny how people can um, complicate the shit out of things. Yep. Pretty easy, guys. Get it together. Ed, Ed thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'd love to have you back. Is that literally any time? I mean, <laughs> we have a lot more we're to looking cover. For a third, we're looking for a third co-host, Ed. <laughs> hey, let me know. I'll, I'll get my, we have, we have a few little mic issues before I came on. I'll, I'll, I'll get my mic working and get my headphones. So I have my, my, my equipment ready to go. And yeah, I, I love, you guys can talk, I could talk about this all day. I need to actually get back to work, but whatever. Okay. I don't care. This is, this is more fun to me than, than doing my job. Uh, but, listen guys, well, just a reminder, don't forget to, uh, 
Go and check out toplobster.com for the merch. We're still doing that raffle. Go to patreon.com if you want to support us. Backslash Nephilim uh, Death Squad. And Ed, one more time, where can people find your work? Sure. They can find me on my website, which is faithbyreason.net. Um, I also have a YouTube channel where I have my Revelation series that I'm almost done with. Also on Rumble, um, I started posting my Revelation videos there. So if you, like like I said, they're like, they're 57 videos up on YouTube. But if you want to start earlier, I think I'm only on number nine on Rumble. You can get going there. So whenever I get kicked off YouTube, I'll, I'll have my Rumble <laughs> station. And it's coming. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Yeah, it's coming. But yeah, and thanks. Thank God you again. I can talk all day, as you could probably tell, because this is fun for me, but, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on. We'll keep in contact, and I hope the rest of your day at work is pretty good. See you later, guys. <laughs> the greatest hypnotist on planet Earth is a oblong box in the corner of the room. It is constantly telling us what to believe is real. If you can persuade them that what they see with their eyes is what there is to see, because they'll lack in the face of an explanation that portrays the bigger picture of what's happening.